Welcome to Straight Talk, a collection of thoughts, techniques, and discussions to open your mind and shift your thinking, to solve problems and connect better with yourself and others to create a happier, stress-free, and more fulfilling life. I'm your host, Kirsty Jane. Good evening and welcome to Straight Talk. I am running the show today and we are calling it Finding Your Peace. So while we just wait for everybody to get on here, um, I'm just going to talk for a little bit. Um, I'm actually finding my peace right now because as we were coming on to the show, I actually accidentally logged myself out <laughs> and I was freaking out because I couldn't get back into the show. So hopefully everybody can see me <laughs> and you can hear me. If you can't, please put it in the comments here for me because I'm, I can't see any of this right now. <laughs> I'm kind of going blind. So I'm assuming that this is all, all working. So finding your peace. So this is kind of like the follow-up uh, from uh, finding your mojo. The show last week was I've lost my mojo. Um, I'd be interested to know if anybody um, did any of those exercises that we did on the show uh, the first time around. Uh, if you managed to get anything deeper than that, because we ran through it quite quickly, obviously, because we were on air. Uh, it was just to give you an idea. Um, so I'm interested to know if anyone actually did that and went into a little bit more depth and managed to get any results. So if you did, please pop it in the comments. I would love to know how you got on with that. So today is all about finding your peace. Um, and you can take that in many ways. Um, it could be a temporary thing. So when you get really anxious and really nervous and it's like, whew, how do I <laughs> bring myself back to the now? How do I really, you know, calm down? Um, or it just could be something in general. Do you have a peaceful life? Um, one of the things that we talked about last week was that we have two modalities. We have in and out. So everything that we say and do and everything that we allow. So allowing in and projecting out would be the things that we say and do. And uh, I think that, you know, when we're aware of that, um, then we can start to see when we're out of alignment or when we're in alignment. So, um Hi, Tony. Good to see you again. Now the comments are coming through. So <laughs> this is really helpful for me to see. Um, so uh, Amanda says, I can see and hear you. Okay, perfect, perfect. I can stop panicking now. It was like, oh, I still got butterflies right now. <laughs> I was really panicking. I was just in silence here, not knowing what was going on out there. So this is good. This is good. So uh, yes, so are we are we at peace or are we not? And so uh, that does come from what we allow um, and in turn will then affect what we project. And depending on what we project will depend on whether we are at peace or not with our surroundings. So um, so let me just take you then through a little journey. Hi, Evelyn. Um, let's think about this. When we're born, um, I mean, we don't know anything. We don't know what we don't know. We're just born into a situation. It could be a really happy um environment. We could have loving caregivers, whether they're our parents or not. We could be born in a dumpster <laughs> or dumped in a dumpster. Uh, we could be in a war zone. I mean, who knows? We're just born. And so we don't speak. We don't have language. We're not communicating. It's pretty much all one way. 
And so in terms of allowing or projecting, we're doing an awful lot of allowing. Okay. So everything is just coming into us. It's just filling us up. We're like these huge sponges and we're just sucking in everything. So we're sucking in everybody's beliefs, everybody's feelings, the noises that we hear, the surroundings. Um, as we get older and we develop language, then obviously there's layers of things that we're going to start absorbing as well, depending on, you know, where we are and, and what the beliefs are of the people around us. So there'll be things like rules and discipline. There'll be layers of things like religions uh, and beliefs. Um, what else? There'll be sounds, there'll be music, there'll be whatever environment that we're in. It could be very shocking and jarring. It could be very gentle and loving. Um, and depending on how many people there are around us, you know, what are we being exposed to? Are we being exposed to certain languages, certain cultures, certain ethnicities? I mean, all of these things, we have no say in it. We're just absorbing like a sponge. And so then we turn into toddlers and toddlers, uh, along with teens, which I'll come into in a minute. Um, but toddler, toddlers and teens are probably like the biggest area of growth in our lives because suddenly we are very, very, we're gaining our independence. So we can suddenly do things that we could never do before. All right. So when you're a toddler, it's all about walking and talking and going to the toilet and things like that. Um, and suddenly you're everywhere and you can do everything. And so then you start putting out a little bit. Okay. So then we think about the terrible twos, the tantrums that little kids are having because they're feeling a little bit of pull. They've absorbed all this stuff for several years and now they're starting to think, hang on a minute, I want to do this differently or I want to, I've got my independence, I want to do it my way. And so they become very argumentative, throwing their tantrums and as a result of what they're putting out, they're getting stuff back. So, you know, they might be getting laughter back at them being cheeky. They might be getting yelled at uh, and getting frustrated, hence the temper tantrums. And so we move on into our teens. Um, and then again, you know, our, our sort of mid teens, like around 14, that kind of age for some, and everyone's different, obviously. Um, but that's another time. Like now we're gaining independence. We want to make our own decisions. We want to see our friends. We want to date people. We want to drive. We want to decide what we're doing with our lives. Maybe we're getting jobs. Maybe we're pairing up with people. So that is a very tumultuous time along with all of our hormones. So again, there's a big, a bit, there's a lot of allowing, but we're starting to reject a lot of things at this point now. And obviously, the more that we get exposed to society through schools and our jobs and our social lives, we're now becoming more aware of things that maybe we didn't know in when as we were growing up. So now we're being exposed to different religions, uh, different ethnicities, different sexualities, like all sorts of different things. Maybe we're watching, you know, X-rated movies or getting involved in uh, different kinds of computer games and things so that's something that that that's a whole lot of stuff that's going on in there that we never really got to think about and we're acting out and not knowing why necessarily we just know that deep down we're kind of searching for something and I wouldn't say that being a teenager is generally a peaceful time because now we're kind of we're trying to figure out like why is it that these people that loved and cared for me as I grew up suddenly annoy the hell out of me. You know, they're making me crazy. Just go away, leave me alone. I want to be in my room and locked away. I don't want to talk to you because we don't know that what's actually going on is that we have all of this stuff that's been pushed onto us, but who we are deep down in our soul is not quite aligning with things. So we're not at peace. 
Okay. And so then we go into our twenties and then what happens? Well, we start to pursue things that really do pique our interest. So we may have gone to university or college. We may have gone into work or into the trades. We may be kind of taking a year out or a couple of years out and going traveling. We're trying to figure out like what we gel with. We don't know what we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives, but we have a pretty good idea about what's fun. And maybe we start teaming up with friends, um, partners, um, and just, you know, having a whole bunch of fun and starting to think about what we want to do to make a living. Because as we meet this discovery is that life isn't free. We weren't, we never chose to be born. And when we did get put on the planet, we had to pay to live here, which personally I think sucks, <laughs> but that's what happens. And so we get fed up. Okay. And, and, and so, you know, and then our parents were worried about what we're going to do. Are we going to figure ourselves out? Um, we're sort of maybe deciding if we're oriented towards maybe we might be kind of family type people. We might have kids. We might not. So all this stuff's going on. And then we get into our 30s. And again, extreme ends of the spectrum. Everyone's different. We all do things in our own time. But, you know, in our 30s, people start coupling up. They start finding partners. They start forming their own or thinking about forming their own little families, whatever that looks like. And everybody's version of family is totally different. But by then, I would probably say around 25, 30, we're starting to get pretty serious about what we're doing with our lives, whether that's building a family, being a homemaker, whether that's really deciding what we want to do with our career. I think around 30, a lot of people sometimes do a career switch. They, they, do, they were doing what they thought they wanted to do, what they studied for, and then they got to that point of, hang on a minute, this, this isn't fun anymore. Now I want to do something else. So it's, it's quite, quite tumultuous, but we start getting a good idea of what we want and what we don't want. And so as kids come into our lives, it's a very interesting time. Because kids are mirrors. So anything that we haven't figured out for ourselves, anything that we haven't looked at within ourselves, you can damn well bet that our kids are absolutely going to reflect everything that we haven't dealt with. I can speak from experience. Your kids are your mirrors. <laughs> and if you agree with this, I would love to hear from you in the comments. So please keep keep your comments coming and let me know what's going on with this because if, if this is resonating, you know, with what I'm saying. And so I think what then happens is we go into our 30s and our 40s, that's when you'll start to see um, some troubled relationships. So if there are some marriages, if people are, you know, families together, you'll start to see that there'll, there'll be some struggles around this time, purely because the kids are reflecting back the things that we haven't dealt with ourselves. And that's a whole new dynamic in the relationship that we have with my, with, with our partners. There's Joe. <laughs> Hello, my kids are absolutely my mirror. Yes, dear. I'm not going to make any further comments on that. <laughs> Mine are too. <laughs> I think they all mirror all of us. <laughs> we all mirror each other. But yes, it's so true. Um, and so, you know, in our 30s and 40s, like I would say, uh, people are struggling with their marriages because they're not just partners anymore as they were when they first met and they first got married. Now they have these little mirrors that are reflecting all the things that they really never dealt with and didn't sort out. And then that's coming into the relationship between the couples. And then that's, you know, everyone's trying to be a parent and we're not having time for our partners. And so that creates a lot of issues. Um, and so I think a lot of our 40s can be 
they say that the 40s are the new 20s. I don't know. You guys can tell me what you think. But uh, I think it can be a fun time. Um, but I think it's also a lot of dissolution of relationships going on there. So people may be getting out of relationships. They may be single parents. Um, they're starting to find themselves again and figure out what they really want. So they've had a good run. They've realized, hang on, I thought I knew what I wanted. And now I'm seeing that actually this wasn't what I wanted or I could have done things differently. And so there's a lot of thinking that goes on around that. Uh, and then we get into our 50s and you know, this is a time when, you know, just because of the the generational age ranges and so on, in our 50s, we start to become aware that people close to us are maybe starting to pass away, like our parents and grandparents and uncles and aunties. Uh, we are maybe becoming empty nesters in our 50s and 60s because our teens are have left or are about to leave or in the process of leaving. Um, so that can be a whole... Uh, a, a new way of looking at things. It's almost like a new chance at life. And I think in your 50s, you do become very wise. You do start to realize exactly what worked and what didn't work. And so there's a lot of people who may be single again now, either because uh, they've come through divorce, their kids have left, um, maybe their partners have passed away. And so then there's a whole new life to be had. But we don't have the energy that we had when we were in this situation, when we were in our teens and in our 20s. So it takes on a whole different thing again, right? Because now we've got to think differently or now we have to think if we're going to be dating again, how that's going to affect our children who are now growing up, who are now opinionated. So that's a whole thing. So the picture that I'm building here is, which I hope you're getting, is that we have a lot going on. And I can move further into the 60s and 70s too, right? So in our 70s, we start to become more aware of our own mortality. Um, I can speak for my own parents. It's like, I don't, they don't feel like they're dying now, but it's the case of like, well, I don't even know if I'm going to be around in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, because I, I don't know what the actual average age is of people. But, um, you know, it's something to be very aware of. Uh, I know that my dad, for example, my dad is 78. And I think he told me he's like the only person left. I think there's one other person left still alive from his old class at school. Everyone's gone. And I find that hard to believe because my dad, to me, feels like he's 60. So that's just how he seems. But that's interesting that, you know, now we start to become aware of our own mortality. And in our 60s and 70s, if we do have a partner that's excruciatingly driving, you know, driving us crazy, there's that thing of, well, we've come so far. Why would I get out of it now? I don't want to grow old alone. So I'll just put up with this. And then it's just a life of resentment that we have because we don't want to go away and do anything. We don't have the energy to start something new. But in this, we're now having to deal with, is this my lot? I, I'm just fed up. Everything I do is annoying me. So um, I just saw a comment there, and I don't know who it was. It was a lady with blonde hair. She said, I went through a lot of this in my 20s. It was Cheryl, Cheryl Ann, you, uh, in your late 20s, right? So you can totally relate. And everybody's at different ends of the scale, right? So some people did things sooner. Some people did things later. Um, and then, I mean, I don't know if we have any 80-plus 
year olds on on the show here right now i'd be super interested if we do if anyone's listening in i would love to hear the kinds of things that mull around in your head right now um i mean for me i think if i think about you know grandparents and people that i have talked to it's more about legacies like what are the lessons i've learned what can i fix before you know i'm coming maybe to the end of my time on on earth and uh you know what can i sort out um certainly of the opinion of don't really give a toss what anybody thinks <laughs> life's too short for that i've lived i've earned my stripes kind of thing and i can do whatever i want now um and i just want a nice calm peaceful life and you know sometimes those lessons that we have uh come in full circle around that time so if anyone's got any other thoughts on that please please uh write them in the comments there all of this to say is that this is a lot of stuff that we've had mulling around in our heads through our entire lives, no matter what age we are, there is a lot. And so it can be very, very hard to find peace, would you not say? And stress and worry wears us down. It plays havoc with our adrenal system, with our nervous system. When we're not aligned, when we're constantly worrying about things or reminiscing or thinking or stressing and not processing properly, it's extremely exhausting and wearing on our bodies. Have you ever seen those pictures of uh, soldiers before and after they went to war? Have you seen them? Like they probably went to war when they were like 18 or 20, and then they came back five years later, and you see um, the two pictures side by side, and uh, it's it's really scary. If you've never looked at that before, go Google it. Look up uh, images of soldiers before and after war, and you'll see the transformation in them because obviously they're under extreme stress. Their adrenaline is going 24-7, and our adrenaline is our life support system. It's only supposed to be there to help us in extreme emergencies. And if we are constantly in that frame of mind, we are going to be completely shattered to pieces. So, my question to you, and I'll, I'll just wait while you type in the comments here, is when do you think we have most of our peace and most of our power? When in time do we have absolute power over the lives that we're living? And when do we have the most peace? They go hand in hand. It's the same thing. So if you have any comments on that, I'll just wait and see if anyone has any answers. When do we have most of our power? Cheryl Ann, she says, when you take it back. Absolutely. When do, you, when do you have the power to take it back, Cheryl? When can you do that? Anyone else have an idea? So to give you a clue, it's, it, it's always <laughs> in every single moment that exists, there is a moment to take our peace and to take our power. And I know that for a fact, a lot of the time when we think about changing our situation, cha changing our circumstances and our actions, we always think when the time is right, I will do this. Ida here, when you are brave enough to take it back and know that God has brought you to take it back 
Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So it's waiting for the right moment. Being brave enough is, is the way that we look at it. But when, I mean, it, it, let's have a look at this, shall we? So I'm going to bring up a slide here and we're just going to walk through this because we do often wait. Um, but here it is. It's actually now. <laughs> It's always now. <laughs> and let, let's look at why. All right. So we have our most power now. And since I said now, that's now in the past because it's now, 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 now. It's infinite. It will always be now. In every living, waking moment is the now. Right now is the time that you have the ability to have your power. You're the most powerful in this very moment right now. Absolutely. When you realize this is it, you can't wait for happiness. You're right, Melissa. Thank you. So it's always the now. Because let's think about this. The past, if you look at this diagram, um, the past is done. There is nothing we can do about the past. Everything I just said five minutes ago is out here live. You just heard it. <laughs> it's gone. There's nothing I can do about it. If I make a mistake right now, if I you know, say something I shouldn't have done, there is nothing I can do apart from take it back and try and do something about it to make you feel better in the now. <laughs> because now is where it's most important. Now is where my power is. If I don't do anything in the now, you're now ruminating and getting mad about what I just said that upset you. But if I bring you right back to the now, now I can deal with you. Now we can talk about it. So this is what we do all the time. I mean, we're having a million and one thoughts and experiences and sensations like all the time. And your brain is logging all of this. And it does. It logs it like a tape recorder. It, it videos through time. You know you've had dreams about the past. You know that you can do hypnosis and bring up a memory of something. You know that you can smell something or hear music or touch something or look at something. And suddenly this little thing goes off in your head and you're like, oh my gosh, that so reminds me of when. And you, you can bring stuff back from when you were two years old. It's incredible. Our mind is holding on to all this stuff all the time. So if we don't learn how to process in the moment, if we don't learn how to take our power in the moment, imagine how bombarded we are. Imagine how much stuff we are carrying around with us, depending on how old we are, whether we're 2, 3, 10, 12, 50, 60, 90, 100. That's, if we don't learn how to process stuff in the now, how to cope with the now, how to let go in the now, we carry that stuff all around. It's no wonder we are exhausted. So if we look at this diagram and we look at what's happening in the past, the emotions that live there, and I'm just talking about the negative ones because I know we can look back in the past and reminisce, and I'll come back to that in a minute. We can reminisce about the great things and have the memories. But when you think about that, we can sit there all day thinking, oh, I just remember when this happened. This time was so great. I just wish it was like that now. What has that done? It's taken away from the now because our happy memories that live in the past have gone and we wish they were here now and they're not. And so what that can do is put us into depression, into regret or shame. Shame can be if we did some, maybe there's an action we didn't take. Maybe we regret uh, allowing too much, right? Maybe we allowed things we shouldn't have done. Maybe we had a bad experience. So every time we think about that, that takes us into those feelings, depression, regret, and shame. 
So if I ask you to think of a time that you were really sad, you have no problem doing that. And if I just allowed you enough time to do that right now, guess where you are? Back in that time, feeling those emotions. You're not with me right now. Now, 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 now. (laughs) So you see, you see how hard it is to bring you back to the now because our minds will go and think about all of these things. And when we ruminate, if you're an overthinker like I am, oh, you can live in your head all day. I could stare at a wall probably for three hours in my head and not even realize that I've done that. So guess what happens when you start getting caught up in the past and having regret and shame and depression? Guess what that does? This is why depression and anxiety are so linked, so close together. It's because now we're going to be afraid of what's going to happen in the future. And that's when the anxiety comes. Anxiety, fear, and paralysis all live in the future. When we future project, it's because we're worrying that we don't know what's going to happen and we certainly don't want it to be like it was in the past. So you see how the two are connected, how, how, how they work? Alan says, hi, I know my anxiety I used to feel was being not in the now, but in a fearful future. You just explained exactly what I was just saying. When we're not in the now, we're in one of two places. We are either in the past or we're in the future. We're freaking out about the future because we don't know. And because we don't know, It's creating all sorts of problems, and that's where this paralysis comes. So we start to get paralyzed because we're afraid to take the steps in the future. And then what does that do? Well, because it doesn't get us anywhere, (laughs) we end up going back into depression because we're not moving forwards. It's so interesting, isn't it? (laughs) So I just wanted to share with you what is peace. Peace is the ability to be in the now and be okay with being in the now, knowing that I'm not going backwards in the fu- in the past, and I'm not future projecting into the future, but I'm staying in the now. Cheryl Ann, surrender control, absolutely 100%. You know we do that when we get so overwhelmed with all these feelings, because we're going back and forth, anxiety, depression, anxiety, we're like all over the place and we kind of get frozen and we get to the point where you're like, I can't take this anymore. And you're either in tears, you're angry, you're just exhausted, like no matter what it is, you've all been there and you're like, that's it, I give up. And what is that? That's surrender. It's saying, I give up. I don't want to be in either of these places. I need to be in the now and I trust that whatever is meant for me is going to happen. And whatever that is for you, whatever your faith is, whether it's because you, whatever your God is, whoever you believe in, or whether you believe in the universe, or whether you believe in something bigger than yourself, we're all different. We all have our own stories about that, and that's okay. But whatever it is, we surrender to our higher power, to our higher selves and go, you know what, I I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I just give up. And that is the time when you feel the most peaceful. It often happens when we quit a job, when we quit a relationship, when we quit trying to do a task, we just give up. Sometimes if you're a woman, (laughs) 
this happened to me today. <laughs> Hormones uh, are, are lacking or they're flooding you. And it just seems like every single thing you do just isn't working. And it's like the more you try, the harder you try, the worse it gets. It's like you've got no arms or hands or something. And it's just crazy, right? Uh, Melissa says, remember that now may be difficult but in the future you might miss it. So appreciate today. Absolutely. There's that whole thing about, uh, the, the, what is that? Life is a gift and that's why it's called the present or something like that. I think that's how it goes. It's a present. We're in the present. We're in the now. So to find your peace, you have to stop whatever you're doing and you have to ask yourself in this very moment right now, do I feel at peace? Do I feel aligned? Do I feel like there's nothing bothering me? Because if you don't, it means you're only in one of two places. You're either in the future being anxious and worrying or you're in the past reminiscing or being depressed and being fed up. Being in the now is right now. And this is one of the techniques that we use when you are having a panic attack. Because when you're having a panic attack, what that is, is overwhelm. It's complete overwhelm that you can't cope. And so you start to go into fight or flight mode. You can't breathe. You start choking. You're sweating. You're panicking. Um, this is I, I, a lot of teens are going through this right now. Uh, I, this has happened with me. It's happened with my own kids. I know it's happened with their friends. It happens in schools. It's panic attacks. It's just like, oh, my God, there's too much. There's too much. I'm so overwhelmed. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with my feelings right now. So the first thing that you would do is a control your breathing because the fear in that moment is you feel constricted. It's like, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You can breathe. You are breathing. Your body is breathing. It's just that your brain is telling you that you can't. So one of the first things you do is you start to regulate your breathing by counting very slowly. So you'd count for like maybe eight in, hold it for six, eight out eight breaths, eight seconds, however you want to call it. And by the fact that when you're overwhelmed, if, if, if you're upset and you're overwhelmed and I said to you, don't think about this or don't think of an elephant, you're instantly going to think of that. So it's hard to not think about stuff. When someone's like, calm down, calm down, you, you can't. But you have to give them just one thing because right now the person is so overwhelmed, they're thinking of a million things and they're having a million emotions. So if you can just give them one, that's now taken 99% of their issues away. And so now it becomes very easy to breathe. So in that moment, when someone is having a panic attack or when you're having a panic, panic attack, the first thing you want to do is start counting your breathing. And you can make up the number, but the idea is, is that you hold, you, you breathe in very slowly through your nose. You hold it for a, an amount of time before you breathe out very slowly through your mouth. And that will instantly calm um, your activated system down because you'll start having regular breaths. The other thing you can do once you've done that, once you're calmer, or if you find that too difficult to do in the moment is to name things because you're so in your emotions. What you're trying to do is get out of them and become objective. And the way to do that is to objectify everything that you see. So as quick as you can, you start naming and labeling everything you see. So I'd be like computer, light, picture, table, paper, my hands, my rings, my, you just keep labeling and la naming everything you see. And what that does is it gets you out of your feelings and starts to get you noticing things outside of you because in here is too much. So you've got to get out there. So those are a couple of things that you can do to try and calm yourself down and find your immediate peace. So I wasn't actually going to go into all of this, but it's very, um, what's the word? 
it, it makes sense. <laughs> it, it's, connect, it's all connected. So I hope this helps for those of you that do feel panicky sometimes. Um, but the trick with this is that's to get you out of a panic attack. But how do we stay in the now? How do we stay present? So I would love some of your ideas, the things that you guys do so that you can share them with other people. Um, I find that the things that really help me are things that require all my attention. So again, it's just that thing where you can't not think about something because that's impossible. If you've just gone through a breakup or if you are sad because your kids are left or if you're, you know, feeling really lonely and, and your feelings are starting to, you know, get to you, then um, it, it can be hard, right? Cheryl Ann says, look at something natural and alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Notice the beauty in them. It, it, even just sit, like, I notice the leaves. I notice they are green. I notice the shape of them. Actually, let me see how they feel. You know, as you're doing it, breathe in slowly. Just start to notice things because there is beauty in everything. It's just when you're in a panic, you cannot see it. You can't feel it. You can't do anything. So, um, you know, when you're alone, this is what you can do. And if you have someone with you and they're having a panic attack or freaking out, this is what you can do for them is help them regulate their breathing, help them get out of themselves so that they're, you know, noticing everything. I notice that I can't breathe. I notice there's a pain in my stomach. I notice that I'm hot and sweaty. Okay, that's cool. That's great. Keep going. Keep going. You're noticing these things because guess what? If you're noticing, that means you're not that you're not the thing because it's outside of you. And so that that's the objective with this. So more long-term in general, um, you've probably found that when you've gone and done something that's taken all of your senses, that's really invigorated you, you feel alive, right? So if you've maybe visited the mountains or the ocean, uh, the biggest one for me is I, I think of um, the time I went white water rafting, and it's not something I do all the time. Um, but oh my gosh, like it, it's so much fun. I can swim. I'm not worried about the river, but it's so funny because when you get on this boat, you're terrified that you're going to fall in. And, and you know, like you've got a life jacket, you know that everyone's going to fall in at some point anyway, anyway, because that's the fun part. Um, but it's this fear of, I can't fall in, I can't fall in. It's, it's like going on a fairground ride or something. It's in that moment, you're so afraid or excited for your survival that everything else goes out the window. I couldn't think any of my problems or issues when I was holding on for dear life on that raft. <laughs> so if you have something like even driving your car, maybe you ride a motorbike, maybe you go fishing, um, maybe you, uh, I'd say things, hobbies, art, things like that can be very calming. But obviously, there's a time, there's a lot of time to think doing that. You can't always switch your brain off. I mean, it's very therapeutic to, you know, take strokes and actions and do things, but there's a lot of thinking time that goes on there. But if you are actively doing something that's alive, where you're kind of like, if I screw up here, I could be in a lot of danger. That is a brilliant, brilliant way to find peace. Doing this podcast right now. <laughs> I can't stop talking. I have to keep going. It's terrifying. But at the same time, when I get off, I feel alive. It's amazing. Um, Alan says, I also use grounding and breathing in the morning. So grounding, uh, so standing in bare feet on, on the bare grass um, and, and really feeling the energy from the, from the ground. And he says, of course, my guitar when I play and write music, I'm totally in the now. Absolutely. You're present when you're playing an instrument. So there's many things that you can do or if you're not even doing them right now, there's many things that you can do that will take you 
out of the future or out of the past and bring you into the now. Molly says music. Absolutely. Uh, there's nothing like putting on your favorite song and completely dancing like no one's watching, basically. <laughs> so that's something that we can do, right? So I have another slide for you coming up because this is the next step. So I've given you what you can do in the moment when you're in a panic. I've given you what you can start to think about long term. How can you start having a more peaceful life is finding things that you can do that put you in the now. Yoda. I love Yoda. Yoda's got some really good quotes. <laughs> this is so true. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Just think about that for a moment. That's often why we panic. It's often why we get into everybody else's business. When people are defensive and panicky, the reason is because they fear losing something. Whether you're doing it to your partner, you're worried about what they're doing or how they're going to be or, you know, whatever, it's because you're afraid of losing them and you're not in control of this. So you have to, you have to think to yourself, if this person were to go do the things that I'm not confident in them doing or I don't like them doing, I just like, what, what is that to do? They're going to do it anyway. I just have to manage my own reaction to it. So if you can learn to manage your own reactions by just letting go of the attachment that you have to everybody, then you don't feel the pain and the stress of worrying. You know how much we worry about our kids. Oh my goodness, you know, we can't, especially as women, I think men and women parent very differently. Men just seem to kind of like go along and deal with the problem if it happens. They're very good at dealing with the emergencies and, and the fight or the flight thing. You know, it's like, all right, we'll just deal with this because that's what men do. Women don't want that stuff to happen. So we worry and nurture and protect ahead of time in the hope that those things will never happen. And so, you know, I know it's very freaky for, um, you know, when you have moms that, you know, hand the kids over to the dad and the dad just goes off and she's like, well, have you not got the bag? Have you not got the diaper bag? And you got the food and you got the extra shirt in case and you got this in case it rains and what have you. And the dad's like, whatever, I'll just deal with it. And they do. The kid doesn't suffer in any way. It's just that we see things in very different ways. And so we have to learn to let go of, of other people's ways of doing things. If it's working for them and no one, my thing I always say to my kids is, you know, if, if you're not going to jail, if you're not going to die and you're not going to hurt anyone, go for it. Because those are the three things that we should have a chat about. <laughs> if there's any, you know, danger of those things happening, then we should be really, really careful. Um, but if it's not, then go for it. Go have fun. Go and experience. Let go. I let go of the attachment I have to them making mistakes because it's important that they experience these things. So train yourself to let go. If we could teach our kids this from a very, very early age, imagine how adventurous our kids would be. Imagine how they would think for themselves. Imagine how proud they would be to come back and go, oh, mom, dad, like, guess what I did? But it's okay because I fixed it. I figured it out. Imagine if as a leader at work, if you, you know, you're a supervisor or a manager or, or a, um, you know, a, a CEO or company owner, if you could actually let go of the control and allow your employees to do things in the way 
that they want to do them so that they get to experience the mistakes, so that they get to have the freedom to add in their uh, excitement and their ingenuity and to actually come up with results that you might never have got before. A lot, of the t a lot of companies won't do that because they have these rules because they're trying to manage everybody, but what they're not doing is instigating the creativity and the exploration and the fun that their, their staff will have. So there's lots of ways of, uh, of looking at this. So my next thing is how do we stop others from ruining our peace? So we can have this zen place that we've created for ourselves so it's like i'm gonna play my music and listen to this and i'm gonna eat what i want in the morning and i'm just gonna go and take myself out for a walk and i'm gonna do all of these things and then my life is so peaceful and i love it and then somebody comes stomping along and just totally just tramples all over it and now we're getting triggered so what what can we do what's the answer to that how do we stop other people from ruining our peace any ideas? So I'm going to share something with you. And it's something that I actually posted on my Facebook page. Tony says, disconnect. Ah, I love it. Love your answer. Yes, disconnect. It's your choice. Again, it's, it's the letting go. It's Yoda again. Train yourself to let go of everything. The key word is let. And so the thing that I posted on my Facebook the other day, I had it on my personal page and on my uh, Kirsty Jane page, um, which was this tattoo that's gone viral. And I don't know if you saw it. I'm going to bring it up here on the slide. Um, and you may have seen it. It's a tattoo that people are having put on them. Look at that. Isn't that fantastic? Let them. And when I posted about it, it was so interesting because so many people commented and said, I got this. And everyone was showing me photos of their tattoos. I was like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't realize it was a thing. But the meaning of that is so incredibly powerful. So that word let, letting go, let them, the letting, it's, it's, it's the allowing. You remember how I said what you allow and what you put out? If you allow too much, it's overwhelming. Just as you've gone through your life stages, if you haven't processed all the things you allowed, especially as a child, because you didn't know that you could get rid of them, right? Um, the allowing is, is what's so destructive and also so powerful. And along with uh, this uh, tattoo is a, is a poem. And it says at the bottom, there's a poem and, and have you read it yet? I do have it here. Um, I'll just read out a couple of things on it. I won't go through the whole thing, so I'm probably going to run out of time. But the idea, it said, if they want, it's, it says, let them, just let them. If they want to choose something or someone over you, let them. If they want to go weeks without talking to you, let them. If they are okay without seeing, with never seeing you, let them. If they are okay with always putting themselves first, let them. If they are showing you who they are and not what you perceive them to be, let them. If they want to follow the crowd, let them. If they want to judge or misunderstand you, let them. If they act like they can live without you, let them. If they want to walk out of your life and leave, hold the door open and let them. Let them lose you. You were never theirs because you were always your own, so let them. And it goes on, it keeps going on and on. But the whole idea is people will show you who they are. 
you don't have control over what people are going to do. Some people are going to do lovely things for you and some people are just not. But the point is, is let them show you who they are, which allows you to make the decision, do I want to be around this person or not? Do I want to put up with this behavior or not? That's where my boundaries are. That's what I'm going to allow or not. And that let them is a little reminder, that tattoo, it, it's just awesome. I think it's a great way to find your peace in something. When you're getting really stressed out because your family is doing something uh, that you don't like, um, then you, you don't have, you don't have to be around it. Cheryl Ann says, what you're reading is so freeing. It is, it's absolute freedom. We have to remember that, you know, we, everything we have is a result of what we have allowed into our lives. So for all the great things, that's brilliant. All the things that you love, you've allowed in good for you. You see, this is where the poem turns around. So it goes through, it's quite long. Um, but if you go to my Facebook page, it's on there. You'll see the whole thing. The second part of this is that somebody else has done this the other way around. They said that this also works the other way around. Some of us are so conditioned not to accept love because we don't know how to and because we keep attracting the same kind of toxic people and we keep pushing love away, some of us don't know how to just let them love us. If they want to choose you, let them. If they want to give you their time, let them. If they are okay with putting you first, let them. If they are showing you who they are and not what you perceived, let them. You see how this works? So it, it works both ways because, like I said, we have two modalities, giving and receiving or giving and allowing both, both ways. So, you know, in that, we have to um, allow people, to, we have to give them the chance for them to show us who they are. Cheryl says, I allow them to be themselves. If I don't like it, that's on me to figure out why. 100%. Yeah, yeah, you got this. It's, it's, it's totally true. It's so empowering. If you never feel at peace because of the people in your lives, you have to ask yourself, what am I allowing? Because you're the one who's allowing it. People are going to be, people, everything that you experience is from the inside. It's you, right? And you cannot control anything outside of you. You can't control what the world is doing. You can't control what the people in the world are doing. You can't control the policies. You can't control the politics. You can't control the, the laws. You can't control anything, but you can control your place within it. You can decide whether to be in it or not be in it. You can choose to listen or not listen. You can abide or not abide. That all lies with you. Now, all of it comes with consequences, but that's on you to decide what is important to me because your peace is about me in the now and about what I decide that I want, because that when I said, where's your power is in the now, of course it is, because tomorrow hasn't happened yet. The future has not happened yet. And all that's going to happen in the future is the result of everything you do in the now. So if you do nothing now, you're going to have nothing in the future. If you do the wrong thing now, you're going to have a mistake in the future. But that's cool because you learn from your mistakes. Then it becomes the past. It's gone. You can let go of it and you can create again. We are creators. That's what we do. <laughs> our life is our creation. Your life, good or bad, no matter how you look at it, is your creation. Every single thing you have in it, 
every single thing, every feeling, every emotion, every physical thing, every person, everything. You put it there. You made a choice that allowed that to be in your life or not, right? So it's so incredibly powerful that you get back to the now. Every time that you're unhappy, you're out of alignment. And it means you're either in the future or in the past. That's it. There's nothing else. But if you're in the now, you're fully engaged. You're listening to me. Maybe you're having some aha moments. Maybe you think I'm boring as hell. <laughs> Whatever. But you're with me. And you're not thinking about anything else. And then when we get off the air, then you're going to, all your thoughts are going to come back again. <laughs> right? And you're going to go back to doing whatever you were doing. <laughs> so that's something that you just need to think about all the time. So I have another slide for you. It's, uh, it's my little friend who I think is incredibly uh, intelligent and very wise. And this is Yoda again. He's got some great quotes. <laughs> you must unlearn what you have learned. And this goes back to what I talked about at the beginning. You have spent your entire life taking on all the beliefs and feelings that you have experienced in your life when was the last time that you questioned if any of them actually make sense for you anymore? This is how we become open-minded. This is how we grow by recognizing that when we have an objection to something, when we, when somebody tells us something and we instantly go, well, that's stupid or that's rubbish or I don't believe that or we get angered by it. That's not about the person in front of you. That's a trigger. What that's about is you saying, huh, that's interesting. I've clearly got a belief here that disagrees with them. I wonder what my belief is. And when you go back and look at it, it could be a belief that you formed when you were five years old. And now as an adult, when you actually look at that, you're like, hey, that, that doesn't actually make sense anymore. But I've never been challenged on it before. It ne I never questioned it. So when you get challenged by people, when you feel like triggered or you feel like you have a, this vehement response to something, that's a really great thing. It's an opportunity for you to question, is this a belief that still works for me? Is it working for my life? Is this something I need to let go of so that my life can actually be better? Because here I am as a, I'm 51. So here I am as a 51-year-old acting from beliefs that I formed when I was 5, 10, 15, 20, and I'm wondering why I'm unhappy now is because those beliefs don't make sense for a 51-year-old's lifestyle. They worked when I was a child or when I was a teenager. I probably created them for survival. But as a much older woman now, it really has no bearing on my life whatsoever. And instead of getting stuck and being stubborn in that, it's actually better that I reevaluate that and take on a new belief for me in the life that I want going forwards. Because remember, everything I do and think now is going to affect my future. I can guarantee if you if you're afraid of the future, you know exactly what it's going to look like because you just need to look at your life now. Whatever you're doing now is what your future is going to look like. Uh, <laughs> big one, hey? So um, last thing, we got five minutes before I finish up here. So letting other people be who they are because that's loving, that's loving people unconditionally. Um, oh, here we go. Tina she says, Bruce Snyder, a wise and wonderful friend told me long ago, worry about what you can control. Don't worry about things you can't. A hundred percent. Because you can't control anything. The only thing you control is your reaction to what's going on. We are just reactory 
sentient beings. We're receivers, receptors. It's like the world is at play. It just is what it is. And we're in it. And we're just responding to it all the time. Art, what do you think about you bring about? Absolutely. Whatever you focus on, you expand. Right? So you can choose. Do you want to focus on the positive things or do you want to focus on the negative things? What kind of experience do you want to have? You're absolutely right. Uh, Tony says, thanks for reminding me about now. I tell people to live in the now often. Great show once again. Thanks, Kurt. Thank you, Tony. I super appreciate that. It is. Probably what I'm telling you is not rocket science. We're all at the point now where we've, you know, lived a lot of our life. We've probably come to these things ourselves, but it's the constant reminders because it is our nature to just keep recycling all the old thoughts, the hurtful thoughts, the painful thoughts, and we make ourselves depressed. It's not the world that's depressing us. It's our reaction to the world. And we always have a choice. So if you feel like you're getting down and fed up, if you feel like you're getting panicky and, and anxious, get into the now. Find something that takes your brain away from it, something that you can completely get engrossed in. Everybody's different. We all like different things. But it, it, whatever it is for you, just go do it. Um, and that's how you're going to get yourself out of these, these cycles that just keep going. Depression, anxiety, depression, anxiety. So last of all, I have one more slide for you and then I'm heading on out of here. How can we give each other, uh, give others peace? Well, here's something for you to remember as I sign off here. Under every behavior, there is a feeling and under every feeling, there is a need. If you can focus on feeding the need, the behavior will disappear. This is awesome if you're a parent who have irrational kids that do these crazy things and we just snap and we want to yell at them. Their behavior is telling us that they have a need that we are not addressing. And we can't address that need until we understand the feeling behind it. So when your kid is acting out, Instead of getting mad at them and punishing them for the bad behavior, find out what they're feeling, how that came about, and what do they need in this moment? What will help them feel better? And when they share that with you, it's just simply your job as a parent to fulfill that need in the best way that you can. Obviously, it has to be logical and, <laughs> and rational, but that's the key. And it's the same with everybody that you talk to. When someone is very defensive with you, if it's your partner or your boss, a colleague, anybody, it's all relationships. Every relationship is a connection, whoever you're connected to. Instead of reacting to their behavior, which is what we tend to do, we become offended, we get triggered, we get upset, we get mad, we shout back, we storm off, we stonewall. Our job is to find out what it is that's underneath that behavior. What's the feeling that that person is experiencing? It's up to us to question them. Ask the question. Now, not everybody's going to want to talk. You might, it might be a stranger, it might be someone you're not that close to. But I'm telling you right now, that model right there is an absolute lifesaver for all of your relationships. And it's a great thing to do for yourself too. If you have behaviors, that you are not proud of, that you are trying to change, this is your key to change. Understand what you feel when you do this behavior, and then you'll understand what it is that you need. And your mission in life will be to go and get that need met. 
thank you for watching today. I am super appreciative of all of your comments. Um, if you uh, want to follow me, you can. I'm on Instagram under Kirsty Jane, on Facebook, uh, Kirsty Jane, and I have a new website that's up now called KirstyJane.com. I would love you to go give that a follow if you want to know about courses and tools that are coming up because uh, I'm building it as we go along. Just sign up on the coming soon page and you'll be notified as soon as things come along. Thank you. And we'll see you next week.